Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Business Strategy. Today we're going to be talking about how organizations can integrate strategy and finance to drive greater firm value. Think of it like this. You have finance, you have strategy. We want to get them married so they could have a baby called value. I know that's kind of nerdy, but that's really what it comes down to. If you are a company and you just are heavily focused on strategy, then ultimately what you're going to have is a bunch of marketing garbage and you're going to be spitting out a bunch of generalities and platitudes to your team, believing that strategy, but it's really not strategy. On the opposite side of the spectrum, if you're too heavily focused on finance and the numbers and driving a top line or generating profits, you're just going to be focused on nerdy accounting stuff, the transactional and compliance pieces of FinOps, and you're not going to be focusing on moving the value needle. And that's really what we're talking about here is how do you combine those two things to drive greater firm value? Because that's where it happens at the intersection of strategy and finance. That's why I'm so passionate about this topic of strategic financial leadership. It doesn't matter if you are a marketing director, the COO, the CEO, the chief legal officer, by understanding how finance and strategy work and how they come together will enhance your leadership capabilities. Okay. So that's what I want to talk about today is how do you integrate finance and strategy in the real world, in real life to drive greater firm value. So when it comes to strategy, there's a whole framework that I follow and that I help organizations to implement in order to drive greater firm value. Okay. If you want to learn more about this, check out the first episodes that I launched for this podcast, where I talk about what is strategy, getting started with strategy, building a strategy blueprint. All these episodes will help you to understand the framework of strategy, but I'll just touch on it real quickly. When it comes to strategy, Ultimately, you're identifying what your strategic problem is. What is the problem your organization is trying to overcome with a strategy? Then you need to answer these questions. Where are you going to compete? How are you going to compete? And how are you going to win? There's a whole process and there's a blueprint that we use at Cultivar to help organizations to implement this and to put in place winning strategies. Now, you have a strategy. You have identified how you're going to overcome your strategic problem, how you're going to enhance the customer experience, how you're going to drive greater innovation, how you're going to improve your business model in order to compete more effectively, to gain competitive advantages, and how you're going to generate returns that exceed the industry average. Okay, so those are just components of the strategy. Now, once you have those identified, then you're going to start laying out your initiatives Remember, your initiatives are three to five years in duration, typically, and they help you to overcome your strategic problem. They also help you to build competitive advantages, to enhance the customer experience, to build morale with your team, to just make your organization more resilient. Initiatives accomplish a lot of things. If you want to learn more about that, check out episode 13, where I talk about what is a strategic initiative. So you have these initiatives and then you go out there and execute and you measure these initiatives through your results and you define your actions along the way. So we talked about IARs, initiatives, actions, and results. And those are the three components of strategy execution that we use within organizations. So that's all great, but how do you integrate the financial side 
into your strategy so you ensure you're driving firm value. Well, when it comes down to it, strategy really does three things. It helps you to gain price premiums, helps you to lower your cost structure, or third, it helps you to grow your business in a scalable manner. Those three things correspond with the value creation formula. So when you think about computing the intrinsic value of a company, you're gonna take free cash flow times one plus growth divided by your cost of capital minus growth. If you just dissect that formula for a second here, you have free cash flow, you have growth, and you have your cost of capital. Well, those are the components that I just explained in the value creation process. And that's how strategy integrates together with finance to drive greater firm value. Now, if you are just defining initiatives for initiative sake, I know some people get really excited about strategy and they start going crazy with initiatives. They'll list out 10 initiatives that their company is going to pursue. I could tell you that's a huge mistake, right? I've tried that before. It fails. I've seen organizations do that multiple times and they struggle. Instead, you should have like one to three initiatives. If you really need to go overboard and you're super ambitious, keep it to five, no more than five. Okay, you can imagine saying to your team, look, we're gonna stay super focused this year. We're gonna be focused on these 10 initiatives. I want everybody to be heads down and not distracted. Let's just focus on these 10 priorities. I mean, that's crazy, right? That's so contradictory. Instead, we wanna narrow our focus on the initiatives that are gonna have the biggest upside. Okay, so what are five steps that entrepreneurs and business leaders can take in order to integrate strategy and finance? So number one, set clear initiatives. Like we talked about before, initiatives help you to overcome your strategic problem. They also build competitive advantages. They improve the client experience. They help you to be more innovative. They help you to capture more value as a company. Your initiatives have to be well thought out and they ultimately need to drive value within your organization. That's step number one is defining your initiatives. Number two is developing a financial plan. So in order to develop a financial plan, you need to have a rolling forecast. Okay, so the first step is before you create that rolling forecast is to get your chart of accounts in alignment with economic reality. So here's the deal. Most organizations, they have a chart of accounts that is super dirty and super messy. If you don't know what I'm talking about, just ask your accountant to pull your chart of accounts and send it to you. Basically, the chart of accounts is a list of all the accounts that roll up to form your income statement or your balance sheet or your statement of cash flows. There are all these individual accounts that you use to track inflows and outflows within your business. So I've seen some companies and they have so many accounts. They have so many line items on their P&L, on their income statement, and it just creates a massive amount of confusion. So if you pull an income statement, okay, pull it for the last 12 months, look at every single line item, and if there are line items on there that are less than, you know, maybe 500 bucks or 1000 bucks or $10,000, whatever your threshold is. If you're a smaller company, it's going to be a smaller threshold. If you're a larger company, maybe 10,000 is your threshold. But there may be some expenses that you're tracking that don't even make sense. So those categories you should consolidate with other categories so you can simplify the number of line items that show up on your financial statements. This is really important because you want to keep everybody focused on the story behind the numbers and not get lost in all the minutia. So simplifying your chart of accounts is really critical. 
Then you have to align your chart of accounts and categorize them correctly so your financials will tell you the true economic story of your business. This is where a lot of people make mistakes. They have accounts that should be up in cost of goods sold. Remember, those are costs associated with delivering your products and services to your customers. They may include direct labor, direct materials, contractor costs, and other costs directly associated with producing your revenue. Cost of revenue, cost of goods sold, these are both the same things. So sometimes companies will have accounts that are down in operating expenses and they should really be up in cost of goods sold. The reason why this is important is because if you don't have it categorized correctly, then when you look at your financial statements, you won't really understand what your gross margin is, which is your revenue minus your cost of revenue or revenue minus cost of goods sold, said another way. And you won't really understand how much money you're making after you produce your product and service and sell it to the customer. Too many companies have their accounts just lumped together down below in operating expenses and overhead. And this isn't true, especially payroll. So a lot of payroll will just hit one account and that account is typically an overhead. Well, you need to break out the payroll of your employees who are producing goods and services for the customers up in cost of goods sold because they're a direct labor cost. If you don't have your chart of accounts in order, if you don't have your financial statements in order, it's gonna be really difficult to go out there and to build a solid forecast. So that's step number one, getting your chart of accounts in order so when you pull your financial statements, they're telling you the economic story behind the numbers. Once you have this in check, then you need to put in place a rolling forecast. This rolling forecast should get you down to operating profit. But more importantly, you need to account for changes in working capital and capital expenditures so you can compute cash flow. You want a rolling forecast that will help you to predict not just profit, but free cash flow. Going back to the value formula, free cash flow times one plus growth divided by your cost of capital minus growth, free cash flow is a huge driver. So you're going to want to monitor that. And plus, 70% of companies that go bankrupt are profitable when they close their doors because they don't pay attention to free cash flow. So in regards to this rolling forecast, if you're building budgets on a calendar year basis, meaning you're, you're building this budget in the late summer into Q4, and then you get it approved at all different levels, and then you have the calendar budget that rolls out January 1st or whatever your fiscal year is. If you're doing that, and then you're repeating that process every single year, I'd say stop, build a rolling forecast, one that will always be 12 months or 24 months or 36 months ahead into the future. So one month drops off, another month comes on, and no longer do you have to do this annual budgeting process, which is such a waste of time. A budget is not about controlling people and measuring variances. It's about predicting the future and setting hypothesis with your strategy and then measuring that based on your actual performance. Okay, so when I say number two, develop a financial plan, that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about your rolling forecast. And your rolling forecast is gonna be the legend for your company. You're gonna look at this, you're gonna make decisions, you may say, okay, we need to hire a new business development person. They're gonna cost $150,000. You're gonna plug that into your rolling forecast. You're gonna see the impact on the bottom line. You also may make decisions as it relates to working capital. For example, you may say, we wanna extend 
payment terms to this new customer of 45 days instead of 30 days. Well, that's going to impact your working capital. You need to make adjustments, plug that into the forecast, see how that impacts free cash flow. When it comes to forecasting, remember this, you can control your cost, but your customers control your revenue. So you're making predictions about your revenue, which ultimately creates profit down below after you deduct out your costs. But I would avoid creating this aggressive hockey stick of revenue projections and then you don't hit the numbers and you're in a bad financial position. So I would say, make sure your forecast is rock solid on your cost, the best that you could possibly predict. Put in a reasonable forecast for your revenue and then monitor and make adjustments along the way. Okay, so that's step number two is developing a financial plan and that's in the form of a forecast. Number three, conduct financial analysis. So every single month, you should be engaging in a financial strategy review meeting. In this meeting, you're reviewing the financials from the prior month and you're looking at your KPIs, your key performance indicators. Your key performance indicators are gonna tie back to your strategy. When you set initiatives, you have key results. In addition to your key results, you have KPIs for your overall business. So you have measurements for your initiatives, you have measurements for your overall business, sometimes there's overlap, but ultimately you want to determine what are the key metrics that you're paying attention to in your business to understand whether or not your strategy is working. A lot of companies, they will use Microsoft BI or they'll use Excel or they'll use Domo or they'll use some other type of analytic visualization platform. We put all of our clients on Mative. That's our strategy management platform and they're able to define their KPIs and other key results and track their initiatives all in one platform. That's what we use. Once again, it's called Mative. You could check that out if you wanna learn more or you can reach out to me and I could provide you with more information. But whatever you use, make sure you have some key measurements which will help you to monitor whether or not your strategy is on track. Remember, back to step one when I said set clear initiatives, you're creating initiatives and then you're going out there and executing every single month, every single day you're going out there in fact. And you're motivating the front line, you're empowering management, you're discussing plans as a leadership team. All of these things are occurring to drive better performance. The cool thing is as an entrepreneur, you get a monthly report card, also known as your financial statements. So when you look at your financials, it will tell you whether or not you're doing a good job. KPIs and other metrics are helpful because unlike financial statements, which are lagging, they come out you know, three weeks typically, two to three weeks after the financial close. KPIs and other metrics can be in real time and they could be early indicators to your financial statements. But nonetheless, step number three is conduct financial analysis. You should be meeting on a monthly basis performing financial strategy review meetings, looking at your strategy, determining what's working and what's not, looking at your financial reports, the income statement, the balance sheet, the statement of cash flows, and then also evaluating your KPIs and then making adjustments along the way. Okay, which leads into step number four, which is integrate finance into strategic decision-making. Now look, there are some decisions that you just can't quantify. There are some things that you will decide to go forward with even when it doesn't pencil out or when the spreadsheet tells you the opposite thing to do. That's called your intuition and you have to trust it. I know a lot of smart MBAs out there that can build some beautiful financial models, but when it comes to executing on your strategy or building a business from the ground up, sometimes you have to do things that just don't make sense, even financial sense. 
For example, you may lose money in the short term in order to scale your business really quickly and to capture market share. It doesn't make economic sense, but it's part of a strategy. However, when it comes to other business decisions, I'm afraid and worried that too many entrepreneurs out there are just shooting from the hip. Oftentimes, this shows up in the form of regret. They'll reach out to me after the fact and say, hey, Steve, we engaged in this contract. We took on this lease. We invested in these capital expenditures. We hired the sales manager, whatever it may be. They make strategic decisions in their business without considering the financial implications. And therefore, it's either hard to reverse, it's expensive to reverse, or it hurts the organization's firm value. So when you're making strategic decisions, make sure you incorporate finance into the mix when it's appropriate. And a lot of times this occurs when you have KPIs and when you know your numbers. I was working with this other business, they're in the food and beverage industry. And I can tell you, it's so cool to work with their leadership team because just seven months ago, the F word was like this huge thing in the company. I'm talking about finance, that F word, not the other F word. They just were not comfortable with financial concepts. However, through a lot of work in these monthly meetings and by focusing on what's critical and by aligning their strategy with financial management, now it's really neat to see their leadership team talk in these meetings. A few weeks ago in last month's meeting, I was sitting with this company and you should have heard this general manager. He's like, okay, our transaction value is $12.15. We've seen throughput increase by 32%. Revenue has been on the incline by 15% as well because we're pursuing this initiative, this initiative, and that initiative, which means that our contribution margin has also increased by X amount of dollars a month. And this is what we're focusing on for the upcoming period. And this is what I need help with. And I'm like, oh my gosh, who is this person? It was just so cool to see this person's leadership skills jump to the next level. And you could do the same thing. Trust me, you can get there as well. Okay, number five is monitor and adjust. So when it comes to strategy, remember you're hypothesizing of what actions you should take in order to drive greater value, greater value for your customers, for your team, and for your overall organization. As you go out there and execute, and as you get your report card, your financial reports, and your KPIs and other metrics, you will have greater financial visibility and better focus in what you should do to drive greater impact. That's the beauty of all this, this whole process of strategy and finance. Bringing it all together helps you to preserve your energy and focus your attention so you're not wasting your time on things that don't matter. That's really the problem with most leaders out there. It's not that leaders are slackers or they're like doing stupid things typically. It's more that they're doing good things at the mercy of the best things. That's the difference. If you're an entrepreneur listening to this podcast right now and you want to change your life, you want to change your business, that's the biggest thing. Don't just focus on the good things. Focus on the best things. And this is a great way to start. So if you want help with any of this, if you need help with putting in place these financial tools and these strategic tools, so then you could go and execute within your organization, I highly recommend you going to cultivar.com and checking out the masterclass that I have prepared for you. I walk you through the surprising path to excellence in this entire process that you can implement within your own organization. So thanks for tuning in to another episode of Business Strategy. What did you think about this episode, by the way? Do you agree with this approach? Am I missing something? 
Do you have more questions? You want me to dive deeper into a different topic? I would love to hear from you. You can shoot me an email at scoffrin at cultivar.com. Scoffrin, that's my first initial, last name, at cultivar.com. Shoot me an email and I'll be happy to respond. You could also go to Cultivar's website and you can hit the connect button and set up a phone call or send a message through that platform as well. Okay, we're here to help you. I'm here to help you. I want you to be successful in business. That's why I do this podcast. That's why I'm so passionate about this topic. So please let me know if there's anything I can do to support you along your entrepreneurial journey. That's it for now. And until next episode, take care of yourself. Cheers. Hey, real quick. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you have business questions and you want to be featured on this podcast, send me an email at contact at cultivar.com and either type out your question or send a video or voice recording stating your name, your location, and what's on your mind. If you want to increase your financial intelligence, be sure to check out my other podcast called Boosting Your Financial IQ. All right, you have new knowledge. Go out there and execute. And until next time, cheers. Hey, real quick, I hope you enjoyed the show. If you have business questions and you want to be featured on this podcast, send me an email at contact at cultivar.com and either type out your question or send a video or voice recording stating your name, your location, and what's on your mind. If you want to increase your financial intelligence, be sure to check out my other podcast called Boosting Your Financial IQ. All right, you have new knowledge. Go out there and execute. And until next time, cheers. Cheers.